Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor. And I'm Cody Green. Hey, Cody. Good to talk to you, man. How is crazy New York City? It's it's crazy. It's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's starting <laughs> to get back to normal, but, you know, not... Yeah. Not, super not totally normal. normal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hot as all Dickens down there, too? It it's hot, hot here. It's hot. Yeah. I mean, I'm stuck inside because I did some travel and I've got some mandatory quarantining going on. Right. Uh, but it's hot in my office as well <laughs> as I assume outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I forgot about that. That uh, all right, I, I didn't really forget. But I, in terms of things to talk about that you'd actually gone out on the road like you're the first one to to break the seal and have and go out on site in recent times. And you're about to head out again, right? Yeah, yeah. Sunday, two days yeah. from now. And you're gone for a while. Yeah, nine days, nine, ten days, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not short. No. It's a longer trip. And, you know, lots of hands washing and, you know, dealing with being in a hotel and stuff like that. But it's... right. The folks we're working with have, like, the whole health screening check and everything is super up and up on all that stuff. So it's not really a huge concern that way. Just trying to stay healthy and safe and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. But, you know. And then stay inside for two weeks after you get back for quarantine and in New York. Yeah, that <laughs> I was thinking about it and I was like, I was out there a week ago or yeah, about 10 days ago and uh, got back and I was like, all right, cool. So I'll quarantine right up until I leave out again. And then I go for 10 days and then I'm quarantining for another 14. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I guess this is just like two months of my life that it's just inside, you know? <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> yeah. Yeah. For like, yeah. like have to be inside. You know, the, we've had the yeah. shelter in places and stuff and the self-quarantining up until yep. here. But it's like, oh, no, I'll get fined. And there's, you know, serious implications if I go outside. Yeah. Right. Great. Cool. They take it pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. planning on having an outdoor birthday party in August, but <laughs> I thought I could go outside if I wanted to. But I can't. Right, like maybe, <laughs> maybe take your new puppy for a walk or something, right? Right. Yeah. 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 He gets he's got a veterinary appointment tomorrow to get his last round of shots. When in theory he should be able to go outside, and then I won't be able to take him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, you know. Uh, it's good of you. <laughs> do it yeah you know it's hard to complain about work right now yeah well i find it very easy actually <laughs> it's, it's one of my strong suits <laughs> so today i thought it, it would be kind of fun to uh to just have like a honest to god tech talk um we've done a lot of other episodes recently and talking about all sorts of things uh from business stuff to uh, all the crazy COVID stuff and how we've been dealing with that here and checking in with people on what they've been doing and so on. But we've actually got like some really f cool, interesting, thoughtful work going on in spike mark development these days. And I think a lot about it and you do a lot of it and <laughs> Christian does a ton of it. Um, but I thought maybe you and I could, could just hash through kind of like what we're working on and what we're talking about and where our head's at. 
Um, cause I think folks who geek out on automation stuff, uh, and might, might enjoy this conversation too. And for anyone who has, I'll say before we get into the topic, anyone who does like to geek out on automation, but doesn't know that much about SpikeMark, SpikeMark is a free download from our website. So you can just go to creativeconnors.com and check out our SpikeMark software and grab a copy of it and screw around with the demo or not demo. I'm sorry, the simulator. It's not a demo. It's free. There's, I mean, you could call it a demo if you want to. It's the same thing as the full version. (laughs) But there's a simulator in there that you can mess around with uh, and then get a maybe get a little bit of a feeling for what we're talking about. Um, So we have this kind of auspicious title that we've referred to internally as big show mode, spike mark, big show mode. Um, And that addresses some distinct problems. Um, So, Cody, just to help set us up, what do you I mean? There are certainly many things we could talk about in terms of problems of spike mark, especially as the people who work on spike mark. We we often are very keenly aware of problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> but specifically when we talk about big show mode as being a, a feature improvement, what is wrong with spike mark that we're that we need to do this? That's a that's a good that's I think it's the heart of the question. It, is what uh, what is spike mark good at right now and what do we like about it and then where does it like fall short i think the things we like about it is how easy it is to add things and get going and start moving things which is great uh where it starts to fall down is like oh and now i have you know 20 30 motors and really big cues and long series of cues that all kind of get to be just a massive information and then you're stuck looking side scrolling trying to look at all your axes or you're having to come uh, yeah. condense everything so that you can step through your cues and see everything but you're losing half the information yeah i think that is the tough part is right getting all the information that you want to see on screen and yeah keeping it legible as you have more and more and more axes. Right. No, I think that that really defines the problem really well. Cause if folks who are familiar with spike mark know that you've got kind of three major zones to the interface you've got, and some of these are rearrangeable, but like by default up top, you've got the 3d model, which is a very basic 3d representation of your show where everything just looks like it's cubes and discs and stuff. Um, and then you've got a what we call the Q grid down below it. And as you mentioned, right, every the, the Q grid is an XY container where all of your columns are motors or a- other axes in the show. And all of the rows are the cues. And anywhere where it intersects between column and row, you can have a movement, which just means that when you hit the go button for that cue, if there's a movement dedicated to that axis, it will do whatever's programmed for it to do then, which is just to go to a position at a certain speed and acceleration. But because there are columns, like you're saying, you get you can only have as many well, you can only see as many axes in your show as the your monitor is wide, which ends up, I think you said 20, and that's about right, right? It's like 20. I think that's to, on the high end. Yeah. It's on the high end, yeah. Like, it's really like, depending on what you're, you know, if you're on a 
1920 by 1080 like you might get 15 oh yeah right you're gonna want to you want to want a high-res monitor Uh, yeah i think you you and i both have been in out on site on different jobs where the answer was we can't see or the the problem was we can't see all the motors on screen and the answer was we both independently went out and got 4k monitors to right right yes definitely we have both made that particular best buy trip (laughs) (laughs) it's an interesting problem too because like when you're especially when you're training some newer operators you're trying to get them to understand the software entirely and then they start to run it and as things start to get missed or you're like hey make sure you double check this or you know they're scanning all this information left right and if they're having to get over and things are starting to get missed like first you have to see oh you're not seeing everything because it's not all on the screen and you don't think to look there. And then you're like, ah, well, let me get rid of the properties panel. Let me, and then you start doing all these jumps and hoops to try and get as much information. Let me shorten all the names. Let me like, yeah, right. 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 Shortening the names, yep. shortening the names, shortening the spike names, you know, cause that extends the width of the, of the column of the column. Yeah. So you're trying yeah. to shrink all those columns as small as you can get them. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, this is just the hardware. Like we got to get a bigger, we need a bigger boat. Like, yeah. 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 It would be like if you're looking at a financial report in an Excel spreadsheet and like all of the totals columns are off screen. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. You're like, yeah, you can't see those numbers. I'm sorry about that. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, if you don't know to side scroll, you're like, Oh, that's where the totals are. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of the Q grid was always that it's very kind of easy to understand. And it, as you mentioned, it's really super quick to get going in. Like if you want to add a motor, you can like right click in the Q grid and say add motor, or you can drag one from the machine library, or you can go up to stage hands and click add motor. And like nearly instantly, bloop, another column appears and you're like ready to connect to an axis. That part I think is really great. And it, <laughs> but then it, it reaches that tipping point where it's no longer great. It's like, well, especially if you've done a lot of axes, the need to have that kind of rapid, not that you really want to lose the rapidness of being able to add stage hands to it, but it's like that benefit is not really paying off anymore. You're like, well, it's cool that I can add another column super quick, but I can't see it. And right. that's more of a problem for me now. Right. Yeah, and like the linear nature of the columns of looking down axes is really awesome because you're like, what's my current position? I'm looking at it up top. I'm going to track down to the queue that I'm looking to load. Where is it going? Sweet. This is fantastic. And then as it starts to grow, you they run off the screen. And then also as you start to use more like grouped motion, that yep. groups currently squish all of those motors in together and so then now that like linear registering down the line of where things are going gets mucked with a bit too yeah that's true too and then you're starting to like cool well we've got the columns but now the columns aren't even really doing what i want them to do and i have to side scroll and you're like okay this we're starting to see the the yeah we've hit the edges right exactly as the complexity and the desire for complexity has grown yeah yeah and i think that that's that's an interesting point too. Cause I, you know, the thing, one of the things I was going for initially, initially in the Q grid design all, back in 2008, cause this is really not unchanged. We've certainly add thing, added things to the Q grid, but fundamentally it's the same concept since then. And one of the things I wanted to achieve was that you could easily see like the, I'm not sure how to say this correctly, but like kind of the, the, 
path of that motor through the show. So if you look visually vertically, starting at the column header, where you've got the axis name and all of its little details, and you just walk down the cue sheet with your eye following only in the Y axis, you can see like, okay, it moves on Q1, and then it's got a big break. It doesn't move again until Q12, Q13, 14, so it gets busy around there. And then, you know, and similarly, when you're walking back up and you're trying to find out, you know, well, in Q28, it says it's going to go to position 120 inches. Where is it coming from? You kind of scan back up vertically and you can easily identify when was the last time it it moved. So you have this like kind of timeline ish. Right. Right. View for each axis, which, um, which is nice. Like, I, I think that's a benefit of it, but I would say two things like one, it doesn't help when there's too many columns on there. But then the, the other problem that you alluded to is like, once you start to get a lot of rows also, mm-hmm. this whole thing starts to get very hard to parse and, uh, and then literally slow. Well, like one of the worst ones, I think, in my recent memory was we had like a kinetic sculpture thing. There was only like a 15-minute sequence, but it was just hundreds and hundreds of motions in that 15-minute sequence. And it would take the better part of like 10 to 15 minutes for the queue file just to open. Right. And so, yeah, the spike mark currently is loading all of those when you open the show file correct and then they're just displayed and you're scrolling around in them yeah yeah yep. yeah and the yeah and the thing with that i mean you know it's like it just sucks it all into memory but there's really not that much like those objects like those code objects are really pretty small because you're just talking about a few properties and crap that it's holding on to um but that q grid itself was like a a custom UI element that didn't do very good memory management um, when I wrote it. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so like it, it's slow too. Like right. it, it gets slow when you have thousands of movements, uh, which could be hundreds of cues. And like as that grows, either the X or the Y, if they grow a lot, you start to run into real performance issues. Um, not usually after it's loaded, which doesn't sound that bad until you're the person sitting there waiting for the thing to load and people are looking at you like, can we get started? You're like, well, right. not, not yet. Still loading. Right. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And it, yeah, as the files get bigger and more complex and things, you know, heaven forbid something does go wrong and then you're like, well, let me just reopen the file or, you know, spike mark crashed or whatever. Let me just reopen the file. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just want a coffee or anything? Coffee, yeah. I <laughs> have to take ten. Yeah, yeah. Which is not great. Which that doesn't. That is not part and parcel of the whole. Like, hey, it's all super easy and fast to get up and going. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. But then, it when this thing looks so slow, once it starts to get complicated, that's not a good look. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So slow loading. The Q grid is invisible. Right. Yeah. I think the other tricky bit too then is when you start, especially like people will feel this during tech when you're jogging things around or not listening specifically to the linear nature of the Q grid. I think as the complexity of the shows grow, that gets harder. Grabbing individual axes and jogging them around 
as you're, you know, side scrolling between the columns of axes and then jumping up and, you know, those are two kind of problems, but, you know, moving around and jumping around in the queue grid and jogging in between is, it gets really cumbersome as the files get larger and the moves become more complex. Yeah. And I, I am loath to even admit it, but the, there are plenty of times where it, I think it's also can be non-obvious which thing is selected because the way that jogging, if you're doing it all software based, like you're, you're selecting the motor and you can select it either by clicking on the column header or you can click in the stage model. And I, I almost never click in the stage model. I pretty much always just click on the Q header in the Q mm-hmm. grid. Right. And then, and then you go over to the properties pane, which is like always a fixed on the, well, you can have a floating properties pane, but usually it's just a fixed to the right hand side of the screen as like a collapsible panel. And then you've got a slider there, or you can take it on like the consulate at that point. Right. But I don't know about you, but the number of times that I have not had the right thing selected and started to jog. Yeah. There's, like, there's that moment of panic when you're like, I can hear something and I definitely have my finger on the paddle. Right. But the thing that I'm expecting to be moving as I'm watching the stage is not moving. So what the hell did I just start moving? You know, and then you, I mean, you look and it's like, it's got the name displayed. I don't, I'm not sure what that disconnect is, but it's, I, I dislike that. <laughs> I dislike. I, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I, that totally happens to me as well. Like we, you know, especially I feel like when I'm trying to like recently I've done a few led walls and you're like bumping motors, trying to get load cells in check and you're, you know, you're hopping around a lot and you, right. you're, I is having to register not only what motor do I want to select, but it's, you know, it's in a different space column wise, depending on if your cues are collapsed or not collapsed or, you know, and you're looking left and right to different places to look for that border around what motor you've got selected or double checking in the top right in the properties panel. But it's not, you're not looking like, I think it would be easier if you were in a mode that you wanted to jog that like, oh, I got to look at the bottom left or I got to look at the top left. And that's always the spot I need to double check where yeah. what to select what motor I've got. Yep. Because uh, currently you're you're kind of doing a hunt and, you know, as much as I always want it to always be about the automation, you know, you got a lot of other stuff going on that you're trying to double check <laughs> before you move. And sometimes like double, triple checking that you have chain hoist number two instead of number three. yeah it gets tough (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely no i think that's that's right and then i think the other big shortcoming there is that you can't jog multiple motors at the same time unless they are in a synchronized group right and that's also just kind of a pain in the ass like just when you're if again this all gets into like when you have a lot of motors and you're like, I just need to take all the hooks on these chain hoists up. Or like they're not attached to anything. I'm not grouping them yet. And they're actually going to be broken up into different sync groups later. Um, right. But I'm just like at load in and I want to get these things out of the way. Or I have a bunch of hoists in the theater. And again, like they're not synced because they don't need to be synced. They are right. each of them is pulling a different baton. But I just want to get all these line sets out. You know, and I want to check off like 10 of them and start jogging. Um, 
and you can't do that. I mean, you can, you can either like chuck them into a group, which is, you know, I say chuck it in. That's not really that straightforward. I mean, like you have to create a group, add these things into the group and then later disband the group. And that's not really what that, I mean, that is not the, the correct use of that feature, you know? Right. Right. Um, cause that, that, and it goes through a wholly different internal mechanism because it really wants to be a lot more rigorous about making sure those things are actually like staying in sync with each other. Right. Yeah. That you don't have any faults. No one's dropped out all the, you know, all the things that make a group. <laughs> a group. A yeah. Group. Right. But like <laughs> if you're just floating the hooks and one of them drops out, I don't want all of them to stop. Like I'll come back for it. You know, like, right. I'll figure out what's going on with that. Like these, we just got to get this stuff out of here. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, so yeah, I think like all of those things are all kind of part and parcel of one aspect of this challenge, which is just once you get above a, a handful to a dozen ish motors. And that's often how we've kind of just, dis I've described spike marks kind of sweet spot is like when you're in that one to 12 range, it's pretty great. And then when you're in that 12 to 20 range, it's workable. And then when you're above the 20 range, it gets tough. I right. think. Um, and I mean, I still think in that like one to 12 range, it is pretty darn hard to beat, like in terms of just set up and getting rocking on a automation rig, but that's not what we're saw, you know, but as the, we have the, the blessing that we have people who are trying to do a lot more axes with the system now. And we have some people with very particular tastes, um, who, you know, definitely want to see these things improved so that they can run dozens and dozens of axes with it. Um, and then I think that there's the second portion of this, which is that we often, not often, we have always thought of spike mark as being production automation, like that right. it's, you're doing a show, you're loading it in, you're bringing in the automation effects and we're going to, create i mean we call it a show file um to that has your cue sheet and all of your access definitions in it all of your tuning parameters all that stuff is encapsulated in one one show file and that usually gives it you like you give it the name of the show right i, mean, right. Like, I can't say it any more clearly like it is for a show <laughs> <laughs> it's made a lot of different ways but it's a show like, it's a show yeah. right it, versus like what's the alternative way of looking at this well, I think the kind of the clear alternative would be like, this is your theater. Like we've got all X hoists always in place here. And we always use X lift that's permanently attached and into the deck. And we're dumping yeah. shows on and we're putting on shows inside the theater. And right. And we might add, add an effect or two or six, but there is like an infrastructure here that's right. always here. Right. We're not taking down the line set hoist for each show. <laughs> right. <laughs> line set 10 is pretty much always line set 10. And right. when I say pretty much, it is always line set 10. Like we didn't, we're not, move, we're not kicking those around. Yeah. Right. Um, and I guess like we made some concession to this idea a couple years ago with the, um, and we, we internally call them templates. They're not really templates. It, it's just, it's a, what is it Blank. called? What is it? It's like new from show, I think. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yes. 
and and then when I do operator training and I show them the new from show button, I say, this will open a template. <laughs> right, right, right. So. And it's and it's literally just a show file. I mean, because everything is really based around show files. So it's like you, if you have a show file and you want to like start a new show off of that show file, you can open, you could do new from show. It's like, it's very un, unimaginatively named. It's like make a new show file from an existing show file. Right. And so you can like through convention set up a show file that has your kind of theater infrastructure in there with no cues. Um, and then create new show files from that. What are some of the problems with that idea? I think the, one of the problems with that idea is it's great in that it's simple and you can get things going. Like if you have typically been, you know, using this hoist in this position to run a chandelier in and out for years and you're just creating from that show file, like you're going to have that chandelier. It's going to be right in there. That motor is going to be there. But if you have to say they add some new steel or they move the motor or something like that, and now you've like adjusted those limits in your newest show file, you haven't updated that new from show original template, that blank template, or say for instance, you are running in rep and you got to go back to a show you did the previous summer that it'll look like at first glance. Oh yeah. That's the chandelier hoist that we've got in place. Yep. But unless you're going to check all of the properties for that motor, you would find, oh yeah, all right, we adjusted those limits and that spike that I set for out is now gonna crash into that bar. Like it it isn't immediately clear without, you know, and that's just one motor. If you've got 10, 15, 20 line set hoists or, you know, specific axes that it doesn't update and grow as you progress in time so that jumping backwards is hard. Yeah, because these are really snapshots. I mean, like they right. it is just it, all of the information is captured and it's encapsulated in that one file. And it's not it's not like refing back to another definition. Like you can't update that motor definition in a different show file and have it have the current show file pull that in or vice versa or like right. update the parameters in the show you're working on right now and have those changes tracked back to the access definition in the template that you drew from, because it's not really a template. We just call it a template. Like it's just a, it's, I mean, you use it as a template. template. It's not, there's nothing magical about how those things are talking to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in that way too, then like the machine library is great. Cause it's, show, it's saving to your, uh, to your machine and it's keeping track of those things in theory, but it is also just a snapshot, you know, as you dump that motor into your file, it's not updating and saying, Oh, you, you know, unless you are actively updating the machine library, which once you get more than a, a few custom axes, it gets to be really tedious. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not uh, like to put it in AutoCAD terms, like it's not X refing this thing into your show file. It is, right just like you've copied the block in for this one drawing, right. if you will. If you're AutoCAD people. If you're AutoCAD people, which I'm which not. I am, but you are not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, was, didn't, I didn't you feel like that was a growth moment that I put it in AutoCAD terms? I yeah, used AutoCAD words and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No vector works around here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So that, like... I think pretty well 
describes the problem that we're facing and that uh, I think we, I alluded to, but explicitly like we have, we have projects on the horizon that need this addressed because uh, we have projects that have big numbers of axes, assuming they actually go forward, but they're in the, the planning <laughs> and design phases currently right. and like with money behind them. Um, and assuming that they, we get through the design uh, exploration and go to production, like that we're going to have to do it, do it. Um, right. And we'd love to do it, do it just to, you know, right. To actually solve these issues. Right. We like solving the problems. Like it's, it, we want right. to do our stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. It, it never yeah. feels good, and you're like, oh yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's a, and it's, it's things. That, I mean, I think we have kind of a, a a split personality too. That you know, we move very quickly on some things, especially like when you got like some custom project or something, and then on the other things we move almost glacially slowly. And that's not because we're like we're lazy or don't care. It's more like a a long time to consider, right? Because none of these things, like when you try to sculpt the product in this case the software into something that's going to work for everyone, we don't want to make something. We don't want to just keep slapping on new features to solve like you know, like you see a pain point and you're like okay great we'll we will just do this one we'll add this button or we'll add this panel or we'll whatever um, take some shortcut to just get out of the painfulness right now, but then you end up with this weird hodgepodge of all these mismatched features, and you don't want to kill the thing that got us here which is that like, we have a lot of people that still to this day really want to be able to run like one to 20 axes with spike mark and it can't be bad at doing that it has to be very right. very good at doing that because you know like that's how we because <laughs> that would be a really crappy thing to do to our customers right um so with that in mind um well, I'm just going to lay out like the, we got four things on the list that we've been working on and I'm just going to lay them out and then let's just talk about them. So we've got developing a new queue sheet. So like throwing out the queue grid and taking a new swing at what would a 2020 version of the queuing interface look like. Uh, a dedicated jogging screen. So no longer like making the queue grid do double duty where, cause it does that right now where it's, it's the selection mechanism for jogging and it's also the queuing interface. Um, we have it on the list as filtering and tagging, but it's really about, uh, I think data manipulation mm -hmm. and like being able to present the operator with, if you have a lot of axes and a lot of information, how do we filter it down to just the things you're trying to find? Cause you can't just put, a thousand axes on the screen and say, all right, well, cool. Now you can see them all, right? Like we can just make the icons all super small. We can get a lot of them in there. You know, it's like, like <laughs> look, yeah, exactly. Problem solved. <laughs> but like, how do you make it easy so you can navigate this big data set? Um, and then theater versus show. So uh, why don't you kick us off with new cue sheet? Yeah, so new cue sheet, I think, I mean, this is something we've been talking about for a very long time, and like I, three, three years, two years ago, threw up a sketch of like, we, keeping spike mark as similar as we could, how could we get a new cue sheet, which ended up with a lot of uh, taking the information and instead of 
I mean, essentially like turning the existing information 90 degrees so that axes are rows and information that you're trying to edit in those axes is columns. Uh, and how can we do that without it looking like an Excel sheet? Right. Uh, and so that was like a thing that we floated and we talked about a lot and we were like, cool, this seems like some pretty good promising stuff. And then we did other things for two years. Um, <laughs> yep. And so then as we came back around this time, you threw some sketches up of your ideas and a few others threw in some ideas and, you know, by having the Q grid be doing double duty, we had to display quite a bit of information all at once so that you have everything captured. And by peeling out the jog screen, we could really lean into the like the linear nature of running a show because that's what this yeah. mode is supposed to be good at. Uh, and so still shifting the information so that axes are going to be rows and information about where your axis is going and in how long uh, would still be displayed as columns in that row, but kind of peeling back a bunch of the information uh, so that what the user gets displayed is here's your axis. It's going to be traveling on stage or off stage, depending on how you set it, uh, and where it's going and how long it's going to be going. You know, currently right. you have to set target position, speed and acceleration and deceleration. And then we show you total time and ramp time. Like, so we're giving you all the variables of that equation of what's going on. Right. And I think that the, and one of the key ways that this is making more efficient use of space is that the actual cues are, I like to think of them kind of almost like paragraphs, like they're multi-column paragraphs where you've got like a sentence per movement roughly, right? Where you say like this motor is moving from here to here at this speed or whatever. Right. Right. And if in the old Q grid, each Q takes up the same amount of vertical height because it's a row that has all of the axes potentially in it. And so you kind of have to always scan all the way across the row. Because if if we think of those columns being all the axes and you've got Q1 and it only has motor 34 in it, well, you've got to look from like the, the row header, which says Q1, scan horizontally all the way over to the right side of your screen and say like, oh, I see, motor 34 is in this. Right. Right, Deckwinch 34. And instead now, if that's the only movement in the queue, the queue will just look like one line, like a little, just a, a phrase that just says Q1, yep. motor 34 is going to move from here to here. And it, you're always reading, you don't, you're not doing any horizontal scanning. And if it's a queue with very little mo movement in it, it will be very, it'll take up very little vertical height. The paragraph will be very short. And if it's a busy queue with lots of motors in it, it'll be a long paragraph. And so you can kind of see visually like, oh, it's got a lot of stuff going on it because it has a lot of sentences in it. Um, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a good distinction is, is we're really shortening the amount of information that you have to display per queue. 
and really just giving you the stuff that you need to know and want to know. Right. Right. Because you don't really want to know all of the ones that aren't in the queue. Right. Exactly. Like scanning over information you don't care about just to get to the thing you want is what the current system is giving you. And this is really condensing that in a nice yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is one of the things that we're really honing in on as we work on all these things is like, how do we get you the information that you want mm-hmm. right as fast as you can? And then the all of those pieces, all those different parameters of the queue, how do those get edited? So we're going to have a small button off to the side. I think I've got it drawn with a pencil right now. There's going to be an edit button on each side of the queue that will bring up a little popover that's got the necessary information, you know, target position, speed, A cells, all the things that you really need to be yeah. sending to the motion controller. Um, and then that stuff gets put spat back out into your sentence uh, in a simplified way um, and just, you know, kind of obscured from constantly staring at you all the time. Yeah. And also it's not always live editable, which right now is how the Q grid works, right? Where it's like, if you like swipe your mouse across and accidentally like select, (laughs) select (laughs) drag and drop, which is totally possible to do. Like you might transpose a number from one cell to another. And this will do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, hell yeah. And I think that's really cool about this new interface too, that it kind of acknowledges that by the time you're, I mean, you definitely will use this interface for building the queues, but you have to be very explicit about the fact that you're building the queues. And then when you are running the queues, it's much less live all the time, right? right. Uh, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So currently we've got the run only mode that is mm-hmm. like a full, like you can touch nothing and just run queues or you can, or it's free for all, edit everything all at once. Right. Like, whether you wanted to or not. Whether you yeah. wanted to or not. And I think this is a little bit more focused and a little bit friendlier to certainly to operating out of the gate because you're just, you're in it. And unless you're actively trying to edit something, it's, you know, it's a little more solidified. Yeah. I think you have to be like very explicit that you're, you want to edit something, which I think is good. Right. That it, yeah. It's, and yeah, then, it's that balance between, yes, I want to be more specific and edit versus like, well, select this menu and then a popover, like, you know, a new window will come up and then I'll take right. it over here. And then like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be really tedious. That, right. That like punch in, punch in, punch in. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Drill down, drill down, drill down. You're like, you don't want that. You don't want it to be full of friction. Right. But just, just enough friction that you're not scared that you're accidentally editing things. Right. And then like to the on the left hand pane there's the access list right right yeah so that would be a, that'll be a shift from currently now you've got your row of axes going across the top and instead we're going to shift to a panel on the left side uh with axes listed in rows in a much shorter you know one line so you've got access name some limit status and then access status on the right, all in one row, pretty condensed, uh, so that we can stack a bunch of different axes, uh, and you can see them much easier. Yeah. Yeah. And then those axes can all be, they all can get 
labels, like tag labels. Right. Tags yeah. is what I mean to say. Not labels, but kind of similar. Similar, yeah. Yeah, so you can create a tag for a different kind of motor or, you know, for whatever reason you want, you can create a tag and tag a motor with it so that you can just say, hey, I just want to see the line set hoist or, hey, I just want to see the deck automation. And then it'll get rid of all the stuff you don't care about and just the motors that you care about will show up in that list. Right, and you're right. That is jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's also cool that you can that you can see those tags on the motors and then also that the cues themselves can get color labels, which is a longstanding feature request. Right. Yeah. I think the cues getting a color will be really nice, especially folks that are queuing off of queue lights is I think is pretty uh, yeah. common thing. Like I wish, you know, this, I got these six cues right back to back to back to back. And it'd be nice if I could make this one, green because i'm looking for the green light to hit go on that one and then blue for this one and then yellow and so i think that'll be a nice addition to the yeah software yeah 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 and then you'll be able to see i mean you can i don't remember what the final count was that you guys had mocked up but i mean it, you can see a ton of axes moving in a queue like on a single screen right yeah i don't remember in either. this new format it's a lot but it's it's a lot <laughs> way more than 20 yeah yeah um okay do you anything else about the q sheet i think i'm i'm very excited about it we of course like i got very excited about it and I, I really we pushed a lot of development on that to the forefront and then our customers like well i'm really more interested in the next thing which is the jog screen but before <laughs> we leave um q sheet was there anything else that i'm that we forgot to talk about on that i don't I don't think so. I'm sure once we release it and it's out in the wild and and it's fully developed, we'll have some more to talk about. Oh yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think we got the rough idea out there. Yeah. I think the, the, the big thing is that it's, that we're able to create a much denser chunk of information and that we're only showing the information per queue that it actually is involved in the queue. Um, which right. is really nifty. And then if you're wondering like, Hey, how, but now we've lost sight of, um, and this, I guess, is intermixing the filtering thing, but let's just talk about it for a second. But, you know, we mentioned that it's really nice to be able to see um, and access this path through the show in the current queue grid because you could just vertically scan. And we don't want to lose that ability to be able to see that. So the idea is that you'll, you'll be able to search and filter to only show a specific axis or a set of axes or, you know, there's lots of ways to kind of control what things are visual visible uh in the queue sheet but if you're trying to check like all of the cues for deck winch number eight you can type in deck winch number eight and just see deck winch number eight's queue sheet essentially right. like or its involvement in the queue sheet right so we haven't lost that at all um in fact if anything i think it's gotten better better right yeah you know, because even now you can export your cue sheet, but you're then you're still hunting for rows yep. as you go. So, yeah, you'll be, yep. be able to do it right in the software. Yeah. And you'll be able to I mean, like right now you you can scan vertically like on the on that vertical line down from a axis. But you have to like scroll past all the crap you don't care about. Right. And this now you'll just whoop, whoop, shrink it to shrink only it the ones that you care about. Right. Yeah. So the jog screen is totally new in spike mark totally new yeah 
All new. Yeah, yeah, because we've never had we've never had a dedicated jogging screen before. Um, and I think this partially feeds into like the well, because we don't, you know, well, whatever. We, we talked about why that's a problem. But the but the, so now there is a separate full screen thing that is just dedicated to jogging. Right. And that's got like a that is a grid layout, but it's a grid of um, like kind of tiles. Basically, I mean, not, not entirely this way, but very much similar to like the existing um, column headers in the current Q grid, right? Or right. similar? Yep. It's yeah, it's very similar. It's similar looking card for what an axis looks like. A little bit moved around some extra stuff, but yeah, a grid of those that are all of your axes on a line. Uh, but it wraps and adds extra rows now instead of just continuing into infinity on the right. Yeah. Yeah, so ne never any side scrolling. Right. Only vertical scrolling here. Yeah. Yeah, and then it I think like we were mentioning earlier, it we were adding a bunch of little oh right click to increment and right click to move to position <laughs> and all these things that are really handy that we've added in in the past year or two, but not discoverable. But not discoverable. People if might be hearing about it for the first time now. Uh, <laughs> right. So if you're currently using spike mark, right click on an axis, you'll be amazed at what you can do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or right click, get to move to position, and then go to enter position and right click again. And then you'll get to increment it. And that is pretty awesome, too. <laughs> that is also pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we found that we're doing that a lot more and we've added the features, but not exposed them in a way that is really conducive to using. Right. Uh, so the jog screen is give us all the axes in a grid so I can see what is all happening. And then down at the bottom of the screen, there's a, kind of like a hot list of properties that you're going to be trying to touch and interact with as you're jogging, commissioning, just moving stuff around. Uh, you know, what's the axis name? What's its net? Like, what's its network status? What's its current position? Sought and then with the soft limits and position scale, stuff like that. And then speed settings for max jog speed, things like that. And then uh, your local jog control and. And like move to position is down there. Move to position and spikes. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of starting at the bottom left at most important information to get the thing working and then moving towards the right of jogging something and moving it and then moving it to a specific position ad hoc and then adding spikes that you can move to. So like you can kind of do the whole commissioning startup, moving things around all within these properties without having to go hunt for them in the existing properties panel. And one of the, just a pause on that for a second. So like that bottom hot box, that hot list or bullpen or however you want to call it. Like I think of it as like a little shelf, like that you're kind of putting the axes on the shelf and then you're, are, you're twiddling the dials on the axes that are on the shelf and then you can dump them off the shelf when you want to collect a new group of axes to throw on the shelf and diddle the, their parameters. Like that's a, I think a, that's a really cool UI element that I also, uh, that was something that was totally your brainchild that I wasn't, I wasn't sold on until I kind of saw it in action and like from the sketches and stuff, I'm like, I don't know, like a whole other like box at the bottom. Like you've already selected the things. Why do I need a box at the bottom? But it really clarifies 
because there's uh, like the big important thing is that there's multi-select. So you can select, right. you know, you can like select a range of axes. You can just select any no number of non-contiguous axes. And as you select them, they show up in that shelf. And so it's really super clear what things you have selected by them being down there on the shelf, which I think is really neat. Like that's a, it, it's very explicit. Like you, it, uh, cause sometimes selections can be tricky. Like it's a little bit grayer. It's got a bounding box around it. It's, you know, shaded differently, but like it is either on that shelf or not on that shelf. It's also, <laughs> there is a different shading in the grid when it's selected, but like, both of those things reinforce exactly which things do you have. And that speaks exactly to the thing that I was talking about earlier, where you're like about to jog something and you jog the wrong thing because you kind right. of misread what you thought you had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think I'm mismentioning that. Yeah. So those axes and they pop up in that bottom left, like they are in your little dashboard and you've got hold of them and you can grab as many as you want, drop them off. And you're always, kind of eye locking double checking that same row that same spot looking for what am i moving right uh, and i think that is going to be pretty nice for just easy registration for people that are just trying to move some stuff yeah 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 and then also the editing capability down there is pretty great too so that if you've got we keep coming back to line sets because that keeps coming up in our life. But that, like, if you've got a bunch of line sets and you want to, you're changing trims on all of them. You're like, yeah, we said it was 58 foot six, but it's really 58 foot seven and a quarter. You can just select all of them and put their upper soft limit in at 58, seven and a quarter. Right. And it edits them all in a batch, which right. is certainly not revolutionary in terms of like, we're all used to, in drawing programs and all sorts of things like being able to select multiple things and have a properties panel and be able to type in a different property and they all change. Um, but we never had that ability before and it's really great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. We, yeah. We don't mean to be reintroducing you to features you have on everything else you do, but <laughs> right. But now you can have it in your automation software too, which is it's kind of awesome. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's going to speed up. Yeah. Limit setting, uh, like spikes, adjusting spikes, especially if you're like if you're using the pendant and you're using the move to position and like move to a spike on move to spike, yeah, yeah, like oh, we got to just update all that stuff. Like it's so much easier than going and editing all these spikes and all the axes. Just like oh yeah, hop over to the computer, boop, boop. right? Because if the, the yeah, which is also really fantastic because the spikes are still not shared across axes but if they're named the same you can edit them the same so if you do have a bunch of motors that all have basically the same uh that you're trying to replicate spikes across as long as they're named the same you can edit them the same right uh in there which is kind of great right yeah that the jog train i think is really exciting i think that's a it's going to be for setup, like you're saying, right? Like for that initial setup and ring out, like having a dedicated screen for it's going to be really awesome and get that configuration nailed down. Yeah. But with all these things, you end up with still just a ton of axes on screen. And like, as we joked about, like it's not just plopping more axes on the screen doesn't really help the operator get to the change that they're trying to affect any faster. So we got all these 
filter and tagging concepts uh, in the new in these new screens, that both in the cue sheet and in the jog screen. And you alluded to that already that you can like set up, say uh, you can have all of your deck winches, all of your line sets, you can have all of your stage right automation. You can have different tags, however you want. Like you can just tag and add any number of tags to a specific motor and then they will show up in that tag set. Right. And then you can also select multiple tags too, right? Right. Correct. Yeah. So you can have stage, uh, like what was one good example i was thinking about like masking like oh yeah i've got like uh travelers and i've got borders and you can just like click travelers and borders and boop boop now all i'm looking at is all my travelers and borders uh and so you can attach those to like some tracks you know if you've got some trick lines or some stick minis or you know whatever hoist or whatever winch you got and yeah then, if you're in a theater with line sets like oh we named that you know, line set 23, tag that with border and we named it border now. Like now it'll all show up with all the masking. Um, right. When you go to look for it. And now you're not hunting through 60 line sets looking for, you know, border, 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 you know, line set, blah, 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 number. You're just zero right in. Yeah. 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 And then with the filtering stuff, I mean, because ta- you can filter on tags, but you can also filter on condition or statuses, I should say. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so like show me all the ones that are disconnected. Show me all the ones that are inactive, faulted, etc. Right. Which I think that'll be pretty nice. I think that'll be really handy too. Like especially if you're running stuff and you bump into a limit or you bump into like, you know, an axis falls off the network or something, instead of having to go and hunt for it to see what's going on, you just say like, hey filter, boop, just show right. me everything that's disconnected. So then you can like work through whatever pops up like if it's limits now you know like oh line set 23 bumped into its limit let me jog it down off of its limit or you know wherever it wants to go and then now you'll be back to like a idle happy state and go back on your merry way yeah i think that's gonna be great (laughs) yeah (laughs) like when you run in a queue with a lot of stuff in it and something has a fault of some kind you're like uh let me find that motor and now it's just like one menu selection to filter to something that's faulted on a limit or something that's over you know over current fault whatever uh, you know which would be a drive fault like show me a drive all the drive faults and like, oh there it is that's the one you know right. reset the drive yeah read the yeah. log whatever yeah <laughs> right yeah and like as these systems grow and these theaters grow and these access count grows like oh I just need to see what the hell's going on. Let me filter by, you know, I guess the offline's going to be pretty good. Cause like if you lost power in all of the, where all the hoists are and all of those hoists are now disconnected and you can't see them, you're like, okay, well something you can group that information and make smarter decisions on how to solve those problems. If you can see the information more condensed. Yeah. Which would be nice. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's great. And then the, the last big topic here was the theater versus show, which is a thing that we've been bumping into for a, a bit. And we kind of talked about that earlier, but the, that there are the, you do have equipment that is part of the theater and then there equipment that you're using in the show. 
And sometimes it's some of the theater facility equipment that's being used in the show. Sometimes other stuff is being brought in for the show. But outside of a show, you still want to have connection and control of these of the theater equipment so that if you're in there for a work call or a one-off event or a, you know, a special speaker is coming in to just give a lecture that you may need to fly in some masking and you just want control of the battens to do it, that that's part of the ongoing theater infrastructure that should be part of the system and available. And we are struggling a struggling a bit with what is modeled in the software from a you know data perspective and we have this concept of show like there is a top level component that is called show and show has a collection of axes and it also has a collection of cues has a bunch of other random stuff in there too but um it has a name, it has, you know, um, it has, it has a lot of stuff. In fact, for a while it had too much stuff and we've kind of teased some of that out into better, better composition, but that there is nothing higher in our file structure than show show is the, the, the big kahuna. And we were having, what was the, what were the features that we were specifically talking about? It was like locking out axes, right? Wasn't that the right? That is the the way and in permissions got here. Yeah, permissions like axis specific permissions, and yeah, I think that's right where we came down. Yeah, because we were having a conversation about like password protection on certain things, and I'm not a, a big proponent of passwords in a lot of situations, but I was, as we were discussing the needs of of the of venues they're like well that that does make some sense here that you want to be able to like say lock out uh, access to certain bits of information or maybe an entire access and it's not even necessarily well it's almost never that you're really like worried about somebody malicious doing it it's just like you don't want accidental motion happening by an unqualified person on this thing and we were talking about that stuff plus we were talking about like the editing of say soft i think that one of the specific examples you brought up was like soft limits on battens right like it's mm-hmm. we're, we've kicked a turnbuckle and now this thing can go another three inches out well how do we chase that change through the next time we open a show when we start a new show like that's and how do yeah, anyway how does that get to you know basically how do we x-ref that in um and after some doodling we're I called you back up and I'm like, yeah, you know, I think one of the things that we're really missing here is that we don't have, we don't have a theater object as part of our data structure. Like, and theater is like shows go into a theater, but the theater lives on beyond shows and we don't model that. And like one of the, you know, when you're talking about object oriented programming and, and modeling these things, you know, one of the first things you one of the first tenants you talk about in design is that like your, your nouns are your classes and your verbs are your methods on those classes. Like, you know, so it's like kind of what you have and what you do and, or what you have and what they do really. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really need a kind of theater, not a kind of, we need a theater class that we can have a theater object in the code that is sits outside of show and show kind of, visits into theater 
because that is literally what shows do, right? Right. And um, and so we've up until this now in this conversation <laughs> on this podcast, we are talking about things we have actually done. This is right. a thing we have not done, but a th- right. more of a thought exercise of like, yeah, what would this look like? What would sit in theater? And I think one of the things that would sit in there is equipment that is part of the facility, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting shift. Like, okay. Like thinking about that, right? Like these are lines that hoist and we don't take these down per show. So this is going to be theater. Right. But you, sometimes you hang, you know, often you'll hang scenery that moves in specific ways during the show. Yep. And then now it gets interesting, like, all right, so that motion, that cue that lives in show and not theater, but then can you write cues to the theater? Like in your exit, when you were talking about like just the lecturers coming in to move that motor, are we creating that lecture show? Well, I think they, I mean, I think there's an argument that says, yeah, you could, right? Yeah. Um, and I think some of that gets down. I mean, I think you're, you, you start to really get to the, the gray area of how much, you know, complexity do you want there? But if there's not really motion in the show and it's just like, you're just going for a preset look, then I think that's where presets go. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we have this concept of presets that are really buried in shows. Um, (laughs) right. (laughs) As soon as you said that word, I was like, Oh, that's a good point. Cause that's not a show. That's not really a show. Underused feature and tab at the top there that's uh-huh. yeah and like that's that really should be in theater because that's right. really what that that feature was intended to do was to have this kind of palette of looks that you could that aren't about the mo i mean you could make them about the motion right. but they're really more about the the end result of the motion like you want the projection screen in and the travelers come in to mask the edges of it as if they were legs and the borders down. And you know what I mean? Like right. it's, you're, you're just going for the end look so that the, the space is now ready. And you, you, there's something that stops you. I mean, they, you, you do build them like cute. I mean, they are literally cues, but the, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, which is its own little problem there. But the, the, so you can, you can cue them with speeds and accelerations and all that, but they're really intended to be the end result. Right. Of it. Yeah. And as we've started to dig into the new Q grid too, like that really leans itself to that split because now we're saying, Hey, a Q is really, this is where you were and this is where you're going. And we really yep. are trying to respect that linear nature. And if we still want that functionality, the reason, the time and the place would be it for using it like a preset. And then it's really not a show cause it's really not in the Q grid. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I don't know that, you know, so there's the idea of presets. There's the idea of uh, equipment that's part of the theater. And I think that they, you also get into an interesting, I feel that you get into an interesting question with shows and that equipment. And I think what I would like to have as an operator is that when I have a show in a theater and however that gets accomplished, I'm not worrying about, right? That's an implementation mm-hmm. detail. But when I have a show in a theater that I would have the theater equipment available to me, but that it's not necessarily all visible, right? right. That it's that if I'm only using specific pieces of equipment in the theater that I have some way of kind of highlighting and selecting that, 
and letting it become part of the show and using it as part of the show. And then other stuff I can just kind of turn off and ignore, you know, because it's not part of the show, but it's, I'm pulling it in from the theater. Um, I think the other, another thing that would be part of the theater is these, is the permissions levels and the users, um, because those are positions of the theater, you know, so that if you have like the, the maintenance crew and the show running crew and the, I mean, and when I say maintenance crew, I mean like the shop crew that's coming in to do notes, but you could also have like facility maintenance too being right. its own different level, you know, anyway, but theater is a place that holds all of those things from a software design. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially as we're, we keep using the word theater, but a lot of the TV gigs that we've done too would really benefit from that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess venue is a better idea, venue, right? Yeah. 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 Right. The performance space. Right. Wherever and it, the show's happening. Yeah. 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 Well, and like, uh, and this is a small one, but like stage, like, cause you can change the size of your stage for your, um, in your model. Like that's currently part of the show. Um, which is also a little funny. Right. Um, cause it, it is kind of funny too. Cause it does live outside the properties panel. It's like <laughs> up at the top in its own drop down with a slightly different interface than the rest of the elements you set. Yep. yep. Well, I think that interface was written in like in 2008 has, and has been touched exactly never. <laughs> never. Since then. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it kind of points to that difference. Like, yes, right? it's, it's, like it's this little breadcrumb that's been hanging out up at the top of our bar for since 2008. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're like, uh, yeah, that's a prime example of like, I'm not really sure where stage should go. I'll put it up here because it's not really <laughs> it's not really an access, it's not really a queue. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say about that at this time, but I it was somewhat of an epiphany. And it sounds pretty obvious once you say it. Say it, right? Yeah. I think the couple conversations we've had about the idea, because we haven't really been working on that specific part. But like every time we talk about it, we get jazz as we're both saying really basic sentences. <laughs> <laughs> it's so and you do the show in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> yeah duh. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. But it's funny because it's like, you know, we've had these, we've had this basic data design in the code base for 12 years, right? Like Avista was the the prior to that for four years and then since 2008 so for 12 years now we've had this and again we've added to it like all the projection stuff that's in there and all all the, the it's not as though it's static it has obviously changed and it has enhanced but we but we've never gone above show we're like show right. is like the good <laughs> That is like, you know, the foundational class. You're like, wait a second. What if there's a basement below show? (laughs) (laughs) And it, and it's one of those things that I, I, what I do uh, without getting too esoteric about it, but like, that's one of those things that I find like absolutely lovely about object oriented software design is that it's, you know, that when done a couple of things, one, like when, when it's done correctly, it's, 
things are very loosely coupled. They're easy to change out. We have a bunch of examples of that in the software that have been really joyous over the years where you're like, holy crap, like when we did simulator, we're like, oh my God, we're just going to swap out this one class and that's going to make simulator work, you know, because right. it's, it's all <clears throat> well designed enough that we can do such things. But the other thing that I think is really joyous is when you're, when you, find a thing that you've kind of been shoehorning code into for too long. And you're like, wait a second, if we just made this code more like the real world, it would work better, better. you know, because mm -hmm. that's the, <laughs> it's also fairly obvious because it's like, that's the whole point, you know, of right. object oriented design. But, um, but it feels really good when you hit one of those and you're like, wait a second, we're just looking <laughs> at this wrong. Like we just keep, we keep trying to force this fit that is not a fit. And right. the problem is, is that we need another, uh, another class. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway. So I think that's fun. I think that's it fun is when you fun. hit those things. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm sweating pretty heavily inside Same. this uh, totally airless closet. So um, I think it's a good spot to wrap up. That was a great conversation, though. I really enjoyed talking through those things. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think if uh, if I can get a release from our legal department, I'll put some screenshots up of some of the things that we talked about, uh, so people can at least follow along, right? And uh, get some idea of, of where we're heading. Um, and uh, and I, I hope I hope everyone enjoyed it. And uh, if you got any uh, questions or comments, please shoot us an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com. Uh, and we will see you guys next time.